Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that has blessed us abundantly, exceeding abundantly, above all we ask, my friends, this evening, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have a lively hope. I trust this thing's turned on. As we're together tonight, we see it's raining on the outside, and I trust there'll be showers of blessing for us on the inside. When we get together in a place like this, we're kind of vulnerable to the weather. I was just talking to my wife about rain when there's a tent up. I've been in a tent when there was water running right in front, running all the way through the tent from one side clear out the other. And, you know, those were some of the nicest times we could have together. It just seemed like what happened was that people's hearts were drawn together and closer to God. It was like they were in a a place of shelter and there was just a warmth there and you sensed God's presence there. So tonight, I don't know if there's going to be water running through here or not. But we want the water and showers from above. Tonight I trust that you have had a vision, that you do have a vision. When you come into the age of accountability and as God gives you direction and as you seek your will. You know the Bible does not give us clear direction when we talk about to young people. Sometimes they ask, I just don't know what the will is of God for my life. But I do know one thing the Bible says that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength and all our might, and our neighbor as ourselves. And when we do that, I believe, when we're faithful to that, I believe that God is going to put the place, the stepping stones in front of us at His desire. And we can step upon those and we can trust in His ways. My friends, let's put our trust in the Lord. And so the thing of it is, we, we grow in our Christian life as we are heeding to the voice of God and as we're willing to obey what he speaks to us. So as we grow older, we often hear people, they say they have a vision. I have a vision. Now, I'm not talking about dreams necessarily, but I'm talking about unless we have a vision, my friends, as the Bible says, is it in Proverbs 28, in verse 18, it says that where there's no vision, the people perish. And I believe that we need a vision as God's people You know, when I think about young people coming to me and they say, Brother Truman, we as a family, we have a vision. And when that vision, you sit there and you listen to them, you listen to what their vision is. And it's not some kind of a a man-made or a desire. Yes, there can be certain ethics and things that a father and a mother want to practice and so forth, the practice of their home. But it's based upon the word of God. And when that is present in a young family and even in an older, my friend, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are wandering about without a vision. And if you have no vision, the people perish. My friends, that's just the way it is. And so, my friends, as we have a vision, well, I often think about as a young boy, eight, nine years old, I was on the tractor, a 730 John Deere. I was out there plowing the field. And dad always said, start out. And he had a post on the other side of the field. And he said, concentrate on that. And he said, keep the plow in place and keep going and concentrate on that and you'll have a straight furrow. But my friends, you could see every time that I turned around and looked at the furrow, you could see that because there was a little notch in the furrow every time that happened. My friends, the Bible would have us to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We need to keep our focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we take our focus off of that, I'm just using an analogy, my friends. We're going to make a crook. We may not have a life that is completely circumspect, and it may not be without reproach, my friends, but help us by the grace of God that we would live lives that would be blameless, blameless lives. We are not perfect by no means. But we are wanting to be blameless people. And so the Bible says, it is at Luke chapter 9, verse 62. You can write it down, my friends. Look it up. And it says there, that no man lay his hand to the plow and looketh back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, when I think about that, you know, that is so true. When we put our hands to the plow, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul says, as the Holy Spirit got a hold of him and he was apprehended. He was one that was apprehended and he had a cause. There were things in his life that he had a tremendous regret for. But there were those things that he learned by those things. He didn't keep on delving in those things. My friends, no matter what has happened in our lives, I realize it has a way of shaping our life today. But we don't want to be groveling around in the past But we want to continue on. We want to press on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we can only do that with lives that are wanting to serve him and lives that are circumspect. 
My friends, when I think about circumspect, somebody asks me, what, is you, what do you mean, brother, by that? What I mean by that, the simplest elementary thing that I can think of is you have a big well, maybe 20 foot wide, and there's a string going across that well. And to me, as I look at that, I look at a cat walking across that string. And as long as that cat keeps his focus on that string, he's going to make it on the other side. A cat is very agile. You know, you can take a cat and you can flip him upside down and hold his legs two, three inches off the ground and let it loose and he'll land on his legs. A cat is agile. And so that's the way we need to be, I believe. That's a simple way of explaining what circumspect is. It is to keep our focus. You know, the thing of it is, that is working out our own salvation in fear and trembling. No, we cannot work out our own salvation by our own works. We are saved by grace through faith. And I trust you understand that. That is my message, my friends. But not tonight. You can turn this evening, if you care to, to Joshua. I would like to read in Joshua parts of 6 and 7 and parts of 8. Tonight, the message is going to be that of sanctifying the, the camp, sanctifying the camp. And we could subtitle that as a sin at AI, the defeated AI. My friends, this evening, I believe that there's a lot of things that can happen under the name of Christianity. And there's times when things are hid in the midst of the tent under the rug. And tonight, I trust there's no one here like that. But we realize when God spoke to Joshua after that Moses had passed away, the people needed a leader, and Joshua was the man set to lead them. He was a man of strength, my friends, and he loved the Lord, and God gave him direction. Moses could not enter into the land of Canaan. We talked a little bit about that the last few nights, but we see here that Joshua was taking the people on. Joshua was to take the people on. He was a man, I believe, that had a vision. He was a man that needed a vision. Moses was dead, but God was alive. And so the focus, there was continuity, there was transition. There were things that were happening at that time that were perhaps not very easy for the children of Israel. But we know that they needed a cause to live for. They needed a creed to die for, my friends. And I trust that we do too. And the thing of it is, we need a code to live by. We need something to live by. And this is it, my friends. It's right here in the Word of God. He has given us direction tonight. And God gave Joshua directions how to enter into the land. They were there, and they kept the Passover beside the Jordan, my friends. Before they went over, it says it was the 14th day of the month. There they were, and they were getting prepared. They were having communion, if you please. The hearts needed to be, they needed to be together as one because they had a mission before them. And God told them to go over and take the land, of, and take the city of Jericho. It looked like a big feat, my friend. But this is what I'd like to point out to you in the, in the onset and the prelude of the message is the fact that there were, there were things that God could pronounce His blessing upon because there was obedience by the leader, my friends. And that was not just the leader, but it was the people that were willingly following. Moses had a vision, and I believe it was to follow God. And that God's vision was that he was to go. The Bible says, as he went to Jericho, there met him a man beside the city wall. And he said, who are you? Are you for us? Are you are one of our adversaries? And the man said, I am of the Lord God, and I have come here. I am of the Lord God. And I believe that is what Joshua needed, my friends, in order to be able to execute the great noble task that he had before him. But my friends, if God be for us, who can be against us? And as long as he had that conviction and obeyed the voice of the Lord, there was going to be victory. And we know that. My friends, I hope you understand that tonight, that when we are in the will of God and we seek his face and that we want our lives poured out as oil before the altar, humility and repentance, that God can use us and our lives can have lives of victory and we don't have to be living in defeat. This was the Old Testament. And how much more are we able to live in victory now in the new dispensation? Why? Because God sent His Son, as we heard. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And so now we have that, the resurrected Jesus Christ, to give us victory over sin. And we can live and have victory, my friends. We don't have to walk around in defeatism. 
We don't have to do that. But here we have Joshua. God told him that they are to go up against the city of Jericho and they're to walk around that city. And it says that they are to do it in a very reverential way. The Bible says they're not even to speak a word. They're to be quiet. They're to walk around. And the people of Jericho were afraid. I believe there was a certain reverential respect that was going on around that city, my friends. Tonight, if you would understand that there was a group of people walking around here and they were the, they were the people of the Lord, the living God, Jehovah, not Allah, but the Jehovah, my friend, the living God. When you understand that, there would be a reverence and there would be a fear in those people as they walk around. Your hearts would melt. The Bible says that the people in Jericho, their hearts melted like water. They became as water because they had a fear and they were afraid because of the reverential respect that God's people had. And Joshua was leading them. And as long as he listened to the voice of God and the people listened to Moses or to Joshua, there was victory. And they walked around and the Bible says, Not one day, not two days or three, but six days thou shalt walk around. And on the seventh day thou shalt walk. It says the seven, it says the priest with the horns of the lambs, ram's horns, shall go forward and in front of the ark. And it says as they go around there, it says that they are to blow the trumpets and the people shall shout. And as the people shouted, my friends, the walls came down. All the walls except one, my friend. And that is a picture of the red scarlet thread in the Bible, in the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, my friends. And the thing of it is, that was Rahab, the place, the house where she had given, she had been hospitality to two of the spies that came over and spied on the land. And she gave them hairbag, or we could call hospitality, uh, not a good name in the English fort, but it's Herberg. She looked over them. She watched them. She hit them on the roof when they came to look for them. And they told her that when they come back, that she used to have that red thread hanging out of the window and all her family, her father, mother, and all her close relatives are to be in the house. And when they come in, they shall be saved. And today, my friends, that is still the thing that saves us. It's the red, it is the red cord. It is the one that has been blood washed, my friends. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, in verse 18, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be as red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. And you know, my friends, we all need that because we as sheep have all gone astray and we've taken our own way. The thing of it is, without a vision from the Lord and a word from the Lord, we would all perish. We would all perish. But here we see there was a tremendous victory. The walls fell down and the Bible said that God had commanded Joshua. And Joshua told the people that they are to go in and they are to take all the sacred things, the gold and the silver and all those things. They are to put that in the treasure of the Lord. And that is when people obey God, there's mighty victory, my friends. And there they were. There they were. They were heeding God's word. And they were faithful, I believe. And there was a tremendous victory won. I heard a preacher say one time, you know, he said, that was something else. He said, the thing of it is, it was the so great a velocity. You know, with so many people's voices and with the, land, the horns and so forth, that that velocity is what took the wall down. And I said, God forbid. Those walls were wide. There were houses on top of those walls. Those walls were thick. And there is nothing, my friends, that could take those walls down outside of a nuclear bomb, I believe. They didn't have it at that time. I don't think so. There was something else. There was a power that is greater than any army and all armies put together that was there and brought that to naught. They were to take those articles and they were because they were considered as holy to the Lord. They were to take those because God had said that. He had sanctified, my friends. And therefore, they were to be kept and they were to be taken and put in the treasury of the Lord. And says, no one takes up anything like that. And we know the situation. They burned the city, the Bible says, all except Rahab's house. They took him out. They took him out. They had one more feet, my friends. They had one more feet. Let's read in Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7 starts like this. But the children of Israel committed a, a trespass 
in the accursed thing. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zibiadai, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ahab. The thing of it is, my friends, we cannot and shall not take anything for granted. We are not continually as ministers or as bishops on a witch hunt. But we cannot, just because we've had a victory in an area in our congregation, we don't take things for granted. Just because we have had victory, God has helped us. As the psalmist said, as, as the Samuel said in 1 Samuel is it chapter 7, verse 12, he says, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Hitherto. That, the, that is the spirit that we should approach God and one another and the humble expression of our hearts for any good thing that comes of victory in our lives and collectively as a congregation. The thing of it is, here they were, and there was perhaps something that was in that congregation that the common most of the people didn't know. In fact, not one person knew. But there was one, my friends. I will just turn to Hebrew. You don't have to turn to Hebrew if you don't want to. In chapter 12, and I'll read that verse this evening just right now. In chapter 4, in verse 13, it says, Neither is there any creature, it says, that is not manifest in the sight. It says, In all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him whom we have to do. There's nothing hid with God. There's not one thing hid. Jeremiah chapter 23, I'd like for you to turn to that if you would. There's nothing hid with God. In chapter 23 and verse 24, it says, Can any hide himself in secret places that I, it says, shall not see him? Saith the Lord, doth not I, it says, fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. In verse 29, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. Tonight I believe that when Ai was a little city, I picture it in my mind's eye, maybe just a bit north of Jericho. I don't know how geographically as it was, but there it was. And I believe that Jericho was the big feat that they had to undertake, and Ai was the thing that they had, they could kind of relax and they could easily take that according to man's philosophy. In verse 2 it says, in chapter 7 of Joshua, it says, And Joshua sent men, it says, from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Bethavan, and it says, On the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. Viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up there. It says, but it says, about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai and make all the people, don't make all the people labor thither, for they are but few up there. There are not a lot of them up there. But they had a problem. Verse 4, it says, and there went up hither, it says, the people about 3,000 men. And they fled before the men of Ai. Oh, what happened? They fled before the men of Ai. There are things, my friends, that seem so little sometimes. But I do believe that there is, if there's sin in the camp, it's hard to take care of. There was sin in the camp. The men fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote them, about 36 of them. For they chased them before, it says, from before the gate, even into Shibrim. It says, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Where was their power? My friends, when there is something that has severed our connection with God, a power leaves us. The power leaves us. If we allow something, and it wasn't Joshua's fault, my friends. He had warned the people not to take anything but the things that were holy, consecrated to God, and put in the treasure of the Lord. Those were the things of silver and gold and whatever. And there was one that didn't. 
My friends, I believe the verse where it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and the verse 10, it says there that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not necessarily the thing, but it's the love of money. I have seen people that were 10 cent millionaires, if you know what I mean. They live from paycheck to paycheck and they live rich. Why? Because the world was in their heart. And I've seen people making 30,000, 40,000 a year and making that much money. And they lived simply and humbly as it was the Lord's. It is the will to be rich, may I say. It's not necessarily money, but money can be a snare. But AI, it says... But anyway, they were chased back, and it says in verse 6, And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until evening tide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. That was a sign of remorse and penitence they were doing. And Joshua said, Alas, O God, Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Enrites, it says, to destroy us. Why did you do that? Would to God we would have been content over there and dwell on the other side of Jordan. Their hearts had melted and become as water. Why? They had just gotten done with a tremendous victory. There was something wrong. My friends, when there is confusion, when there is a dysfunction, when there are things going on where people have lost heart, my friends, we need to start not on a witch hunt, but looking for sin. And that is upon our knees, upon our faces, my friends, before the altar. I mean, we may not put dust on our heads, but as it were, we do. We repent in sackcloth and ashes. Had, jo- had, had Joshua sinned that he needed to repent? No. But he was, he was in remorse. He was doing penitence for the people before God, a holy God. Lord, what has happened? What has happened? Verse 8, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? What shall we say when the church of Jesus Christ is defeated by the arrows of the Satan and we don't have any power against him, my friends? What is wrong? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land, it says, shall hear of it and shall environ around us and they shall come around and cut off our name from the earth. And it says, and what will... Thou do unto thy great name. This is a reproach to the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, my friends, the world around us knows, I believe, exactly when there's trouble in the camp. Whether it be, your, the, I don't know how it is. I don't know how it works. But I do know when I was growing up, there was trouble in the congregation we were at. And the outside people knew it. Nobody told them. How? We live in a way that brings reproach on our name. And you know what? If we don't practice, as it says in John chapter 13, verse 35, the world will know it. It says there that it says. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And I believe that perfect love is manifested to God, first of all, to one another and to the world around for those that have their hearts pure before the Lord and they have a desire to keep their lives pure. For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants, it says in verse 10, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. It says, Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel has sinned. He says the stark words, Israel has sinned. And I believe this was the most the most blatant confession, perhaps, that Joshua could have learned. This thing, this very thing that he is saying, God is saying, Israel has sinned. And it says, and they have transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have, it says, even taken of the accursed thing. It says, and they also stole it and disassembled also. And they have put it even among their own stuff. Oh, wasn't this disheartening? What would the voice of God tell us today, my friends, if he could speak audibly to us? 
But I do believe that God has given the gift of discernment and discretion. Yes, we're not on witch hunts, my friends, but upon our bended knees, I believe God can show us and tell us, my friends. Israel has sinned. They had taken of the accursed thing and they have hid it in their stuff. They hid it. Why is it the tendency of man? Whenever we do something we know, we know that we shouldn't do, we want to hide it. Tonight, what is God seeing in my heart and in your heart? In the center of your tent. You're the temple of God in the center of your heart. Is there anything under the rug? My friends, I have lived a very short life so far. Not very old. But I've seen where there's congregations that there were things that happened that should have never happened in a congregation in the name of the Lord. And there it was. And I don't know. I do want to give people the benefit of the doubt because there's times I believe that as as God's people, we're not educated to the point that maybe we know how to deal with everything. And yet, when it just takes the Bible and get our word from the word of God, that's all we need, I believe, sometimes. We need the word of God and a conviction to live the word of God. We can go ahead and we can lift this little rug up and we can throw it underneath there, my friends. But every time we see the person or the people, there's going to be a bump there and it's always going to come back. It's always going to come back. Let me tell you, my friends, when there was defeat in Ai, don't tell me that when there was a defeat, that Achan didn't and wasn't convicted. I don't believe that he could hide that and go about his work and duty without being convicted. The Holy Spirit did not have free course at that time, but he does now. Jesus told his disciples when he sent them out to go out and to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. That is when those things are made manifest as it was, and I don't know if I have time to turn to it, but in Acts chapter 5 we read of Ananias and Sapphira. When they came in and they also, we know the church had a tremendous growth. We had people there, it says, that gladly accepted the preaching of Peter. And they, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And it says in the breaking of bread and fellowship and prayers. And it says that it was added to the church daily as it should, the Bible says. And there was great fear came upon all the people. And there was people that wanted in on this thing. Because it was something, it was a new thing. The wagons going by is full of people. I want on it. And so they want to jump on it. And it also says that they were to sell their things. And they were to divvy it out to everybody as had need. And the Christian brotherhood were sensitive to the needs of others. Those around us as brothers and sisters. No, we're not just a free handout. But we are those that will help one another. And so there were those that wanted to get on the wagon. The wagon was full. This was the new thing. The new rage. It was the new rage. What would you have thought this would have happened in your community? There were signs and wonders done. And there was a lot of people coming into their midst, they were, they were loaf seekers and fish eaters. There were those that wanted to come for, for handouts. Ananias and Sapphira also sold their land. They did sell their land. But when Peter, they come to Peter, they also want to be a part. Uh-huh. And Peter looked at Ananias and he said, Thou hast sold thy land why hast thou kept? Why have you allowed Satan? Why have you allowed this thing to come into your life to lie against who? Not Peter. Not Paul. But against the Holy Ghost. And the thing of it is that we may sin against our brother or sister, but ultimately, my friends, we are sinning against the voice and the Spirit of God. And it is very serious business. He fell, and he died. There was direct judgment. And they came, the young men came and carried him out. The wife came in not knowing what happened to her husband, and they asked her, did you sell your land for so much money? And she said, yes, we did. Why are you helping your husband in this? 
and she also was taken out dead. The judgment of God. I believe sin is more serious than what we think it is. And I believe that Achan was a man that was, he had a love of the world in his heart. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, it says in verse 15, it says to not to love the world, neither the things of the world. Not the things of the world. My friends tonight, if you are not convinced that sin is sin, then at the first manifest of opportunity that you will have, you will yield. If sin is not sin, and you're not done with sin, my friends, tonight you will be the next Achan, may I sadly say, and you will cover the things under the rug of your tent. It is easy for mankind. They want to hide things when they know they're not right. We know it started from our endemic nature, from our parents in the Garden of Eden. We know there that God had created them in a beautiful way. It was beautiful garden, a paradise, may you say. And there they were, and they had communion with God at the cool of the evening. God comes out there, and he wanted to fellowship with them. And that's why he created, I believe, from the foundation of the world, my friends. That's why he created you and me to, for his purpose and glory. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 8, for his purpose and grace. We were called into a holy calling, my friends. Not into this life, but into immortality and life. That's why he came, as it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. And now, my friends, Adam and Eve, they wanted, I believe they loved that. But there was something, the Bible says, the serpent, es war more schlichtig. He was more deceitful than any creature on the earth. Es war schlichtig. And he came there, and he, he, he enticed them. Because God had told them that they could eat from every tree of the garden except for that one in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And they are not to eat of that tree. And why? Because it says, in the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Oh, Satan said, what God said. Oh, Eve said, we can't do this. I still wonder where Adam was. Making the weaker vessel be vulnerable to a snake. But anyway... She was deceived. She broke. Why? You know, she was deceived by Satan. When we think we know our heart, the Bible says in Corinthians, when you think that you stand, take heed lest you fall. These people here, the Israelites, had just come through a tremendous victory. Tremendous victory in Jericho. Were they arrogant? I don't know. But they were ignorant. They didn't know what was going on within their camp. The Holy Spirit didn't have free course. But even without that, I do believe there was a guilt upon Achan when they had defeated Ai. I do believe he felt guilty. God came out in the Garden of Eden one night after they had sinned, and he asked, Adam, where art thou? And I don't know, did he call once or twice? The Bible doesn't say, I don't believe, but it says that finally Adam says that we hear your voice, but we have hid ourselves. God said, you hid yourself. That was strange. Did you eat of that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? They said, yes. Why are you hiding? Because we're naked. God said, who said you're naked? Ah. Whatever mankind is involved in the things that Achan was, my friends, there is things that they want to just simply hide. Hide. Adam and Eve, the perfect fellowship was broken. And what did it take for them? They tried to hide their nakedness. We cannot, my friends. We are open before God. We cannot hide our nakedness. We can sew fig leaves together. My friend, it will not do. God himself sewed something together for them, but it cost a life of an animal. That was the first sign, my friends, I do believe, where it's going to take blood for the covering of sin. And now praise God by the only begotten Son that he just doesn't cover sin, he takes it away. As far as the east is from the west, my friends. The story is big here. The story is big. You know, 
Here it goes. Let's go ahead and keep on reading here. I'm sorry I was sidetracked. In verse 10 it says, And God said unto Joshua, Get thee up. It says, Wherefore liest thou upon thy face? And Israel has sinned, it says, And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and they have stolen and disassembled, it says also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. In verse 12 it says, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemy, but turned their backs, it says, before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, except you destroy the accursed thing among you. My friends, if we want victory, if we want something to move ahead in our congregations, we need to make sure that the things of the world are destroyed. They are out. They're gone. We're not trying to follow the world two, three steps behind them or a half a generation. But we're, my friends, as God's children, we're going the other way. We're on a journey. And that depicts, that's why we're called, that's why we're called pilgrims, my friend. Or strangers, I'm sorry. Pilgrims have got to do where we're going. We're strangers on this world. We're no longer following the fads and the fashions of this world. And it says in verse 13, it says, up, up. It says, sanctify the people. And he said, sanctify yourselves. It says, against tomorrow. It says, for this saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing. It says, in the midst of thee, O Israel, thou canst not stand before thine enemy until ye take away the accursed thing from among you. There is no way. You're fooling yourself. You're blowing smoke. You're doing all kinds of things. You're just trying to have some kind of an organization, trying to hold things together, this and that. Where there's sin, my friends, it will not work. And I don't care if it's Virginia, North Dakota, or Missouri, or Texas. It will not work. What happened? He longed for something that was nice, and he took it. And I believe when everything was in rubbish, and everything was distraught, and everything was falling apart, I believe that Achan... He went out and he snuck that gold and the silver. It says that it was underneath the... We'll go ahead and read here in verse 14. And in the morning, therefore, it says, You shall be brought according to your tribes. And you shall, it says, be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according, it says, to the families. Therefore, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come my household. And the household which the Lord shall take, it says, shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing, it says, shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, everything, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, my friends, because he hath wrought folly in Israel. We pray and we read a verse in Psalm 85 where it talks about, Lord, won't you revive us again, that thy children may rejoice in thee, but let them not turn again into folly. That means foolishness against our basic visa against what we know is best or the better. My friends, there it is in verse 16. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and he followed the way of the Lord. He says he brought Israel, it says, by the tribes. And by the tribe of Judah, it says, was taken. And he brought the family of Judah and he took the family of Zerahites and he brought the family of the Zerahites man by man. And Zabdi, it says, was taken. And it says, and he brought this household man by man and Achan, the son of Kemariah, it says, and the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, also it says, of the tribe of Judah was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to God, the Lord God of Israel, and make confession. Tonight, we're not asking anyone to make confession, but I believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He is able to pierce the very heart, the very innermost room of your heart tonight. And if there's a smallest rug covering the smallest, the smallest thing of sin tonight, he will reveal that to you. Here it says, make confession unto him and tell me now what thou hast done and hide it not from me. And Achan, it says, he answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. And I saw among the spoil, it says, of a goodly Babylonian garment, and a 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold, a 50 shekel weight. And then I coveted them, and I took them, and behold, they are hid in the earth, my friends. 
they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver, it says, is under it. My friends, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there's where your heart is also going to be. So it doesn't matter, our sins vary. You know, we all have sins that easily beset us. We may not all be plagued with the same thing, my friends, but we are to live lives that are free. The Bible says in chapter, verse 22, So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent, and behold, it was hid in the tent, just like it was said. It was the silver was under it, and they took them out in the midst of the tent, and they brought them to Joshua, and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. They laid it out before the Lord. And my friends, tonight, that's the only way we're going to have victory, is to lay it out before the Lord. Sometimes we dance around this and that a little bit, but let's lay it out before the Lord. You want victory tonight? If you have hid something in the, in the midst of your tent, in the earth, my friends, and you've tried to cover it up, it doesn't matter. You can try to cover it all you want to, but the evidence manifestation of that sin is going to be manifest in your life one way or the other. Sometimes the Bible said that those things that are done in secret are going to be revealed, what? On the housetops, on the rooftops. One day they will be there. They will be there. Lay it out before the Lord tonight. Lay it out, my friends. And what did they do? They took Achan. I believe when we die, we come before the Lord at the resurrection. Every man's going to have to speak for themselves. Every man will have to give account for their own lives. You can't rely on grandma or grandpa, your brother or sister, your preacher, your bishop friend. You will stand stark. The Bible says that there is going to be a day there we are appointed. There is a day coming that we are going to die. That is stark reality. When you have made preparations to die, then you're ready to live. Tonight, are you ready to live? Are you living a life of peace? Time is going on. I don't want to weary you long tonight. But this is what happened. This is what has to happen with sin. You know, in the Old Testament, there wasn't a lot of grace at all. They went out, they took Joshua, his family, his oxen, his asses, his sheep, his children. They went out, and it says all the camp of Israel put him down. They put him down. And that day, the judgment was stoning. They stoned him, and they covered him with rocks. And to this day, I believe that monument is still called Achar. In the valley of Achar. Joshua said, why hast thou troubled us? Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And he did. He did. And my friends, we live in a day of grace. But I feel sometimes we hedge on the thing of grace. And we think just because God is a God that is merciful and has abundant grace. We know he does, my friends. But I believe in the day of grace, we are more accountable than perhaps they were in the Old Testament. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? In those days, the Bible says that there were things that happened that God perhaps winked at. But now, he wants everyone come face to face with him. Repent. He wants all men everywhere to repent. Why? There's a possibility for every man to repent. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. Repent tonight. I don't know how your life is tonight. But you know... When they got rid of Ai, when they got rid of Achan and the sin that was in the camp, when they utterly destroyed it, when sin was sin, and they took care of it, they went up, and they had a tremendous victory. The tables were turned. Instead of come running home with the tail between their legs, pardon my speech on that, they had victory, and they slew all the men of Ai. Many men of AI. I won't go into that tonight. But my friends and I would just like to share with you that this is serious business. And if sin does not look as sinful as sin really is, my friends, then we will take the opportunity when it avails itself. You know, Daniel? Daniel was a young lad. That was away from his parents. He could have been bibbed in the king's wine and the choicest meats, but he didn't. 
He was living by conviction. There was others. Joseph was taken to a faraway country, and he could have been bibbed in lust, and he didn't. He was a man that lived in conviction. That is exactly what character is, my friends. It is what you are when no one is around. I'd like to just simply say tonight that there is a remedy for sin, and God has provided that way. I'm not done preaching, but the time is here to close. So let's bow our heads in closing tonight. Heavenly Father, you've been faithful tonight. Thank you for meeting with us here again. Oh, Lord, you are so near. And you're so precious tonight. I pray the nearness upon each one here tonight. And Lord, if there's someone that's been struggling with something in their life, maybe a stronghold of something, Lord, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something that they've tried and tried to get rid of, Lord. Tonight I pray that there could be victory found. Would you wrap your arms of mercy around them? They could sense your presence. And just bring it and lay it all out as the children of Israel did. The sin of Achan. Lay it all out before them. And not to hide things in this vessel of clay in the earth. In the midst of our clay and earthen vessel. And cover it with a nice rug. A close. Lord I pray tonight that you would just have your way in the midst of this congregation. This assembly Lord would you bless each one. Thank you for their willingness to come out Lord And may I pray that your grace was sufficient for their lives as they listened to the words tonight. Not me, but you, Lord. We always hear what the Lord God will speak. And Lord, I trust that they have. And I trust they would continue to speak to them through the faithfulness of your spirit. Tonight we pray in the name of Jesus at the close of this message at this time. And we will want you to keep your eyes closed. And we're wanting to have a song at this time. The song leader can come forward. And we'll have a song at this time. Tonight, I'm going to give you opportunity. Uh, you can squander the opportunity. The Bible says in First Thessalonians chapter 5, it says there in verse 19 that we are not to quench the Spirit of God. Tonight, if the Spirit speaks to you and you know there is something in, maybe there's a, something of vanity that you're trying to hide and get by, we can go ahead and have a song at this time. God knows tonight. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Amen, brother. Yes. <laughs> Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Tonight, have you been struggling with the burden of trying to show people something you're not? Perhaps there's something that you like to imbib in when you're not with your people, your wife, your husband, your family. Tonight, would you, Heavenly Father, just be faithful? Would you be faithful to God tonight? The voice of the Spirit. Is there anyone tonight? Just come forward. Except the hand of God. Let's have another. care on Jesus today. Leave your worry and fear. God bless you, young man. God's going to meet you here. Jesus is very near. You have the opportunity tonight to come forward. To show God you mean business. Here comes another young lad and another one. Tonight is the time to drive a stake. We can do that with the power of God. Is there anyone tonight? Another verse. I'm not playing on your emotions. I trust no one is tonight. That you're willing to listen to God. If there's someone tonight. Every heartache and tear Burdens are lifted at Calvary Jesus is very near Burdens are lifted at Calvary
Calvary. Is there Calvary. Here's a young sister. We're asking, as the Spirit is moving in the aisles amongst the chairs tonight, would you come forward if you have something that's burning you? Is there another verse? That's all. That's all. Just as I am by heart. Just as I am without one plea. Your hands are turned out tonight. And we see Jesus tonight with his hands turned out, his palms up. Come unto me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, your burdens can be lifted at Calvary tonight. Is there anyone? Can we have a young sister coming? Oh, may God be defeated, and may Satan be defeated tonight in the power of God. Would there be someone to come with this sister? Young girl, God bless you for coming. To being honest, we're not going to tarry long. Would someone come? We have someone coming here now. God bless you for your faithfulness. Here we have someone coming. We are grateful for God's power. And it's only through his working power, the wonderful work power of God, that we can have breakthroughs. I know how it feels. And I trust that these young people, if they haven't known the Lord, that they would make a commitment tonight. And those that have made commitments and that they would fall in love with Jesus again. That's what revival is. That we're wanting to go back to our first love. You as married men and married women, you know how it was the first day. The, the first moments after you were married. You were in love with your husband. You were courting. You loved them. Has the fire going out? Is that fire still burning in your soul? As it was the day in front of the altar when you gave it to the Lord, your soul. Let's all stand for closing prayer tonight. There's still opportunity. If you want to speak to someone, you're welcome to. May God bless you for coming out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just come before you this evening. Hallowed be thy name. O oh Lord, I pray. Thank you for the peace that you bring to us through Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would sanctify us through that peace. Lord, that we would be clean vessels in thy hands, in thy kingdom, I pray tonight that you would be very, very near to the delicate hearts that are in a process just now, oh God, that have given a fresh commitment to you, Lord, and that the angels in our mind of faith, we can see them rejoicing in heaven, that there was victories. Tonight, we are grateful for your power to bind the forces of evil, that this delicate happenings that are happening and people praying with these young people that they could be guarded and guided guarded against the evil one that would want to tempt them and guided in truth oh father you're so faithful thank you for each one present here and we come before you in the precious name and the guiding hand of jesus christ and the holy spirit we pray amen depart in peace